0: You've got to constantly keep evolving your skills, because people around you, they are analysing you a lot. It's a constant journey, like you said, it's, it's, you're, never, you're never actually complete as a player. Quantity is one aspect of it, but it's the quality of that practice that is almost more important you feel responsible for everything, you feel responsible for the success and failure and you take it personally. Not everyone you know is invested around your success or you being successful. It's not about us winning more trophies and getting more talent and all of that, but just the benefits and the advantages of playing the sport.
1: Hello, I am Mukesh Bansal. Welcome to SPARKS. Our guest today is Rahul Dravid. Rahul is among the greatest cricketers to have ever played for the country. He represented India over 16 years across a variety of formats. He has set many records on the field. He captained Team India. He is the fourth highest run scorer ever in Test cricket. Rahul was known for his patience, his resilience and his meticulous preparation before every single match that he has played. He was the ultimate team player willing to don any hat, willing to do whatever it takes to help team India win. He has played across variety of batting situations depending upon what the team needed. He even kept wickets for team India in the ODI cricket for a number of years. He continues to be a great role model on and off the field. After retiring from his active playing role, he transitioned into role of a coach working with lot of younger cricketers help sharpen their skills. He worked with under 19 India team as well as India A team for a number of years. Under his leadership, Under-19 team went on to win the 2018 World Cup. In the process, Rahul has set new standards for how to approach coaching younger talent in the country. Through his Excellence Academy 6, he even works with cricketers as young as age 5 and above. He is currently the coach of Indian cricket team and is helping Team India transition to next generation of players. In this episode, we talk about his 4 decades in cricket, all the compounding that has created, All the finer nuances Rahul is able to see, all the patterns he is able to see and how he has really mastered his craft of both his craft of playing cricket as well as coaching younger cricketers. He talked about having a beginner's mindset. When he transitioned to the role of a coach, he did not approach it as a legend of Indian cricket. Instead, he wanted to learn the fundamentals from the beginning and hence he has developed a very different approach to coaching. We talk about how important it is to have continuous investment learning because no matter who you are, the only way you get better is through continuous learning and deliberate practice. Rahul also talks about how sports not only build sports specific skills but also life skills which comes in handy in every walk of life. Rahul is a great ambassador for sports. He is an amazing, humble human being and he continues to inspire millions of sports people around the country. I learned so much from this episode. I'm inspired talking to Rahul. And I really hope you will enjoy this episode as well. So, Rahul, I think where I want to start with, you know, you've been nearly 40 years since you've been around cricket. You started playing cricket at the age of 12 if I, or even earlier. And then you played for India for a very long period of time. Started coaching under, India, uh, you know, under 19 team, India team and now coaching the national cricket team. After 40 years of cricket... Do you think you're still learning about cricket? You know how the amount of learning you would have had in these forty years and the depth you would have had. You know the patterns you would have seen again, and again. Just can you talk to me about your journey of you know how investing four decades in one profession as how has you know your journey evolved in that you know? Period?
0: Yeah, it's it's probably the the love of the games come even before that. You know, I think it's yeah, it's it's probably twelve years since I at the age of twelve I probably started playing formal cricket as in went to a camp and played with the hard ball but but I don't know I think my earliest memories as a kid uh, as a young boy probably at the age of well, three or four or something are uh, my you know playing with my brother or my father you know throwing me a few balls around near the house and uh, just playing on the streets with my friends um, and and just watching or not yeah I mean when my father took it there was no television cr- cricket on television in those days but but yeah, just being taken to a cricket ground and watching my father play a little bit for you know the league cricket that he played uh, for his company. Uh, yeah, so a lot of my early memories you know, and things that I still remember are actually associated with cricket. There's not a lot I remember about being you know, a really young kid, but but what I do remember, I think a lot of it is actually associated still with cricket. Like you said, it's been a really long time and, and I think it started from a, actually just a love of the game. You know, I just love the game. I uh, my father loved the game, so I, I don't know. In some ways, it sort of rubbed off onto me, and uh, and just played it, and and have, and have sort of continued on that journey. And I think you've been very lucky. You know, I'm very grateful and and very fortunate that um, you know. I mean, how many years? Like like you said, it's been 38, 40 years. Uh, sort of still uh, involved in the game, have been able to make the game, um, which really was a love and a hobby, uh, was able to make that a profession. Um, you know, still continue to be associated with the game. So, yeah, I feel deeply grateful for that. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not very often that uh, you can claim to say that your hobby and your love was, you know, something that you did for such a long time in your life, and and you continue to do it and continue to be associated with it. So, yeah, you know, for that, for that, I'm truly grateful. Um, it's it's been uh, obviously it's been a you know I've learned a lot, and I think. Obviously, the learning has been about cricket, partly, and and that's, you know, like I said, became a love and a hobby, then became a profession, and you obviously get a lot more. uh, You you have to learn a lot about it. It's just some amount of time you spend on the skills, on on developing, uh, you know, your abilities as a cricketer, uh, the skills that you want to keep improving at. You're, You're competing at a really elite level, a high level. Everyone around you is constantly getting better, improving, so you've got to continue to do the same. Um, physically, they've been, you know, physical in terms of just understanding of the body, understanding of the mind as well, in things that have been associated with the game. Uh, so much of that, I think, over the years, I've learned. Um, things have changed a lot. Um, you know, from, from I think, the, the sport, I've actually seen the sport, you know, sort of go from um, being a really, in a lot of ways, an amateur sport, to today becoming, you know, truly professional. And just the amount of time, I think, it was always played seriously by the people who played it. You know, I don't want to knock that knock anyone who played it in, in that generation because everyone, <laughs> I could see the effort and the time and the hard work they put in. But I just think the amount of time and the, and the level of expertise, the level of support systems that are there today, vis-a-vis compared to when we were starting out, really, you know, shows you that stark difference between uh, something that was really amateur to progressing today to being you know uh, truly professional and truly elite, and sort of seen that whole transition of the sport being involved in that transition of the sport as a player and and now even as a coach. so um that's been a fascinating thing for me to see. um also, you know, great learnings along the way uh, as well. Uh, I think uh, you know, the world has also changed so much in in that time i, I you know, when I look back on um the early days, I think, you know, your access to knowledge um, was was quite limited. You know, you relied on coaching books or uh, you relied on expert coaches. And there were few and far between in those days, uh, the access to television, like I said, was, was not to that level. There was some television came in, but again, it was probably not to the level that, you know, you could get a lot out of it other than just entertainment. But today, you know, if you look at, Um, wherever you are in the world, you know, through the internet, uh, just the access to knowledge, I think, has completely changed. You know, everyone has incredible access to knowledge. And, you know, that's not a barrier anymore, in in a lot of ways. Again, television has improved so much to become something that's also a form of entertainment, but also a form of, in some ways, education, you know, teaching, it's become something that you can learn the game from wherever you are, you can be in a small town or a village, and you know, just watching television coverage, the quality of television coverage, the expert analysis that goes on—it's um, a—it's a great coaching tool today. It's—it's it's something that has really changed. Um, so, I, yeah, I think you know, you have seen sort of, I've seen a lot of that and seen a lot of those changes, and yeah, it's been—it's been quite, you know, it's—it's it's been really interesting. Um, and you continue to learn. I mean, you know, you keep learning, you keep sort of growing, you keep improving with times and. That's a, that's a constant journey, I think.
1: Amazing. As you made a transition from being a player at the absolute elite level to becoming a coach, did you have to learn some other skills deliberately, or the coaching just came very naturally to you? Or do you remember deliberately putting extra effort in figuring out how to be an amazing coach as well? Yeah, I have, and I you know I continue to learn
0: on that area. It's it's I think it's actually quite. It's, it's almost two different things. You know, I think uh, you, you are a player and, and, and you play the sport and you're focused very much on yourself um, and getting better yourself so that you know that if you get better yourself, you are going to be able to support the team and help the team get better. And you're invested in improving your skills and your abilities to make the team a, a more skillful and a better team. Um, when you go into the coaching yes there is some aspects of it you take into the coaching uh into into your coaching which is obviously the experiences that you've had i mean that, that no one can take that away from you you've had certain experiences you've been in certain situations um and if you've done it for a long time you've uh, experienced a lot of things you've had the privilege of maybe working with a lot of other coaches and interacting with a lot of other cricketers and 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 you pick up things and you and you learn things but but I think when you get into the coaching side of things, yes, there is some things that you can take over from your playing days, but I think it's quite limited. And 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 I think when you get into coaching, you you quickly realize that there are a lot of other aspects to coaching, and and that you need to need to consciously work on and get better at. You know, and and I think maybe just to give you an example, things like your ability to communicate and your ability to talk and your uh, I think that's something that you're not under that much of it's it's not that critical as a player you know you're a yeah you want to have a good relationship with your friends or your teammates and you are communicating in some ways but i think then as you get into uh coaching then you know the the a conscious effort on your ability to communicate your ability to deal with uh you 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 will probably be in a lot more difficult conversations as a coach than you would ever have been as a player um your ability to manage a larger group of players. And like I said, as a player, you're probably just managing yourself in some ways. But here now, you've got a responsibility to manage not only the players, but then there is a ecosystem around that in which you probably have to play a role um, in managing that as well. So I think these are things that, you know, personally, I, I can't speak for other people, but personally, for me, at least, I had to make a, a little bit of a conscious effort to try and get to learn and get better at. and And that continues, you know, I, I still don't think that I'm... You know, very good at a lot of those things. You know, there's so much out there that you can constantly look to get better at um, the actual technical skills of the game and things. You know, that's that's just one really aspect of it, and that's and that's again something you are learning as well. Like, like for example, I spent a lot of my time being a batsman. You know, and I did a bit of wicket keeping, but a lot of my um, focus as a player in the in my whole career was about batsmanship, you know, and it was about batting. And I, uh, you know, because that's what I needed to be good at. I didn't need to be good at fast bowling or spin bowling. And, you know, and and whatever time I had and energy I had was truly devoted to trying to become a good batsman. So I studied batsmanship and tried to understand about batsmanship as much as I could. And then as you go into coaching, um, and when you do the coaching courses, and when you, you know, do a lot of uh, these things that you do as a coach, when you sort of get into it, and you realize actually how much or how little sometimes you know about, you know, other aspects about uh, about the game, you know, whether it's spin bowling and fielding. And and it's not that you... It, there are small technical things about it that probably you've not paid much attention to as a as a coach. And that's something that um, you need to learn. And, and that's why, I, like, I always tell people who want to get into coaching and, in and, and, you know, uh, cricketers who want to get into coaching after me. And I say that Look, it's not about, yeah, you might have played the game for a long time. And, um, and and sometimes, you know, you can feel that ego, why do I need to do a level one or a level two coaching course? You know, why do I need to go through it? And and I can speak from just personal experience, you know, that there are a lot of things that you suddenly you realize, hey, you know, I hadn't thought about it in this way because you're so focused on yourself and the way you know how to play best that sometimes there are a lot of other aspects of the game that, you know, you, you don't really pay much attention to. And sometimes courses like these can just, you know, they just help you uh, just refresh a little bit of your memory. They help you. It's easier then as a coach than when you have to deal with players of all the different skills. You're not only dealing with batsmen, right? You're dealing with bowlers, and spinners, and fielders. And it certainly helps you in the conversations, you know, when you can open up conversations. It's not only about the technique. But certainly, if you have spent a little bit of time in a conscious effort to learn a little bit more, um, I have found personally, at least, it helps you in the.
1: Conscious. And do you think so? There is a deliberate effort on your part to invest in your learning in a ongoing manner to become better at earlier, you know, as a batsman and today as a coach, because you know, someone like yourself who has pretty much achieved everything, you know, you can achieve in the game of cricket. You can just walk in the field and, you know, from the vantage point of, I have done it, I know how it is done, you know, I… But for a
0: short while, you can walk in like that for a short while, but uh, but honestly, uh, you know, uh, in the end of the day, there's another generation of players, yeah, they'll, you know, I'm sure they'll, uh, you know, listen to your stories for a short time, but after that, everyone gets bored of listening to stories, you know. You can you can only you can only set, tell the stories and so many convert
1: those stories today. Right? yeah it's, it,
0: it's, it's so many creative ways yeah I did this and I was this and so that's yeah that's something you really don't want to be like you know you don't want to be starting to uh, start having to talk about uh, your times or, or your stories or I did this and you know or at least that's not the way I, I, I you know I I like to do it but. But yeah, so so there is and There has to be a, that conscious effort to constantly, um, you know, uh, and and I think I think for me, I just, I guess that's just the way I've always been. I, I think I've always even, even even like as a you know playing the game or playing the kid, I've just been curious. I think curiosity has been something that's, uh, uh, I don't know, it's, it's it's always been there. I haven't even really thought about it. Um, but, but I've always been curious about things and, and wanting to uh, figure out things and uh, wanting to learn new things. So, um, yeah, that, that continues. And sometimes to your detriment, I mean, sometimes, you know, to be very honest with you, you can overthink things. Sometimes you can over, you can overanalyze things and you can want to, you know, rather than just going out there and doing it. So, so I have to be conscious, you know, that my personality at times can be someone that's, um, you know, that's very keen to know things, can get very curious, you know, wants to, um, wants to know things and, and and sometimes, you know, you can sometimes wait to know too much or, or, or try to be too perfect about things, you know, rather than just going out there and expressing yourself and, and just doing things and uh, so I think that's, yeah, it's just just an understanding, I think, of, of my personality that I'll be careful that sometimes, you know, I don't let that become something that holds me back or holds me from trying things or, you know, I, maybe I don't know stuff or maybe I need to know more and wait a little longer and so I think that's. I think we're all different, and each one, you know, there are guys I know who, you know, will just dive into things, you know, and they don't necessarily need a lot of information and knowledge, and 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 yeah. So I think that's also been a learning for me, and you know, just I, and I think that's the beauty of this whole thing that you, that as you sort of play cricket and as you get into coaching and you put yourself out there, um, you actually learn a lot about yourself, and and you know, I think you grow as a person, and that's been the fun part of it, and. And to be able to sort of grow as a person in doing something that I truly love, I think, like I said, that's something I'm really grateful. for.
1: I think I'm glad. you you already touching on two, three key themes that I really want to emphasize on this podcast. Right? One is that ultimately, people who want to do big things, you know, they need to develop some deeper understanding of who they are. You know, what drives you, what your belief system is, right? And second is continuous investment in learning. You know, this uh, bigness mindset. You know, I personally seen for myself also, and I've done few things in entrepreneurship, but Every time I start something new, I feel like if I don't remind myself that I don't know this is new, I, need to, I would rather operate like a first-time 25-year-old entrepreneur as opposed to someone you know, who has done a few things. because that brings at least, you know, what a lot of blind spots. And also, so that's, you know, one thing I want to keep emphasizing on this podcast that, you know, people who, if you want to do big things, you have to keep learning. You know, you cannot, you know, just rest on your laurels, you know, beyond a point. Yeah, and, you,
0: and I... And I think it's, it's a really good thing you you, you mentioned and, you, you know, you spoke about it. You've really got to have that beginner's mind, especially, I guess, in, in, in what you do, which you keep starting looking to do new things and keep challenging yourself. Um, I, I think it's also that absence of ego a little bit, you know. I think taking that little bit of that ego out of the, the picture, you know, and, and understanding that, look, you know, I, I, I just need to go back and there are other people in this field um, who, who know a lot more than me. You know, they might not have played as much as... And, I, and I've seen that, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest. I, I've seen that in terms of, you know, in my work that I've done now with the NCA and um, in, in and around the coaching space. I've played a lot of the game, but, you know, honestly, uh, you know, when I've interacted with people who've... So, for example, I, I interact with coaches sometimes and who do our coaching courses and, you know, who've worked with kids. You know, they, they probably have not played the game for such a long time, but they've worked with young kids for... Fifteen, 20, 25 years, and that's an incredible body of work and experience. and when I interact with them and I, you know and they, they're picking up things and we're doing these video analysis and we're doing this stuff and I'm looking at and, and, and they're picking up things which, even though I've played for such a long time, I don't pick up, and I look at them and sometimes you know that can get a little intimidating. you know you, you can think, Wow, man, I've played the game for such a long time. Maybe I need to be able to you know uh, know this. But then, when you sit back and think about it, you you actually think, well, not really. I mean, you know, I might have played for a long time, and yeah, I have that skill of playing. But you know, here you're 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 actually working with masters who maybe seen videos for twenty five years. Right. You know, they have that same level of experience you had on a cricket field. Mm-hmm. They have it in something else. Right. And you know, you just got to be able to respect that, and you got to understand that in this environment, you're actually the one who's the learner, or you're the one who's got to you know ask them the questions and pick up things and, and you know and and I think sometimes it, it yeah this has to be a little bit of an absence of ego in that because and I, I feel sometimes you know and, and and just and sometimes you know sometimes these guys will look at me and say but you've played the game for such a long time and you should know They're, no not really I mean I've yeah, I've played it so probably been good at that but you know in in terms of other areas you know you guys have probably done a lot more and I need to respect that and understand that so it's it's that balance at least in our coaching thing of you know using that experience and the and the luck or or whatever the the advantage that I've had of having played that so that's something that you know is going to be very unique to me that experience that I've had and those experiences that I've had or you know for having played so much that's going to be unique to me but I have to add on to that you know and I think that's the same thing like I'm sure that I mean, maybe you would have experienced that, like your experiences of maybe setting up Mintra. That's unique to you, right? You're always going to have that. But then, when you get into a new space, I'm sure there's other things that you're going to have to pick up from people who've probably been in that space for longer.
1: Oh, absolutely, and you know, especially when you transition from one domain to another domain. Yeah, yeah. You know, you not, know nothing about that. You know, I remember, you know, meeting you in 2016 when you we were starting Cult, yeah. and we were that one fitness center, right? Yes. I mean, I might have said whatever I told you in terms of ambition yeah. honestly did not know anything yeah. about the business of fitness in fact didn't even have a good idea about how big the market is and much later I learned the market is actually much smaller but it took you me- maybe that's a good
0: thing isn't it I, I think in case like maybe like you can answer this one maybe sometimes not knowing is also a good thing yeah yeah absolutely yeah. having that thing of yeah and I think that's probably I don't know where sometimes I feel that I can get a little stuck sometimes you want to know too much right. you know
1: you are right, especially not to take anything which involves significant risk. It's if you know too much and you know, evaluate and get into the whole analysis paralysis, almost you will never take that thing. And the thing is, the risk may be so much that you know the logically it does not make sense. Like you know, For most people, it will not make sense to quit their job and start a company because the odds are stacked against you. But in that journey, you figure some things out. You start to see patterns, you start to notch, notch small wins, you start to, you know, um, uh, feel more confident, you know, about the space. And- yeah, but surely, I mean, I'm surely there must be a there must be
0: risk. Can't be just foolhardiness as well, right? I mean, there must be some. Like, it's interesting. I was like kind of correlating this to cricket as well, right? Cricketers, uh, we are always taking risk, right? And we are always, I mean, I'm as a coach now, always talking to um, players about risk, right? When do you take that risk? Do we go for it, or, or you know? There are situations in the game that change, right? You might be chasing 10 runs and over. Yeah. I'm just giving you an example, in a in a one-day game, you're chasing 10 runs and over. Yeah. And then, obviously, there's a significantly high level of risk. Yeah. Suddenly, you bring that down, you take that risk, and you right. bring that down to five runs and over. Then the amount of risk that you take probably needs to be less. You need right. to be able to evaluate that. Yeah. So, I guess, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, get your point that in taking these risks, I mean, do you have to be foolhardy or there's, there's some... There's some
1: science behind the risk also My point of view is Definitely don't need to be You know Foolhardy Because So Few basic checks One can go through One is What is my worst case scenario here Like even cricket You know Worst case scenario If you take a risk Is you lose that match But you can still have An amazing career You can win a series Right So a little bit of that You know What is the implication So At least personally When I have taken a big risk My worst case scenario Has never been that bad That you know I'm going to On the street, and like it, you know. But I don't know how to feed them, or you know. My worst case scenario was I'll go back and find a decent job. That's because I've done some, you know, foundation earlier, Mm -hmm. gotten some degree, gotten some experience, knew some skills. So I think that's one thing. Second, also, preparing to take the risk. Like, even I wake up only in the morning and take a risk, versus thinking, but for a period of time and preparing, you know, at least one should know all the things you can know. Again, you know, you. Yeah, I have other people are there uh, trying to build similar companies, what is their experience, you know, what are general track records, so a lot of things you can take a highly informed risk, I guess. That and but speaking of risk, you know, I want to go back to you know, one of the biggest risks, you know, any professional athlete you know, which you would have taken in your know, teenage year, to commit to career in sports. Yeah. And career in sports, you know, in India at any given time, you know, now it's slightly better. But earlier probably fifteen people in the whole country can make a living, you know, playing for India. Yeah. Today maybe a few hundred people. So, that's an inordinate, uh, inordinate amount of risk very early in your career. How did you think about that at that time? Yeah, that probably
0: is the most riskiest decision I've ever made, you know. And I, obviously, I'm glad now. And like I said, I, I'm very grateful that I made that decision. But it was a very risky decision. And it was not a ris- It was a risky decision from obviously from the background that also that I came from. You know, I came from a background where both my um, parents were. We, we, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we ca- we came from a middle class background typical indian pa- background where both the parents worked uh sounded like there was a big business waiting at the end of it for me um you know both my mom was you know teaching at the architecture college my dad worked uh, in a private company so typically you know uh, family two parents working jobs uh, they would have <laughs> retired at 58 um you know and, and 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 education was an important part of of my family i mean in the sense you, you know my parents were both post graduates my you know, just just typical sort of middle class family where a lot of people studied, and you know, you studying was important. And then it 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 did feel like you know, um, again, like I honestly I looked at it quite interesting. I looked at it as a little bit like that worst case scenario kind of concept. You know, I could have had the option of doing typically what a lot of kids in that age did, which was do engineering. Uh, you know, um, and and I probably had the I I didn't have the love for it to be very honest I didn't have the love for math or you know engineering but certainly I had I could study hard enough and was diligent enough to get enough marks to probably get in and you know do that um, and it and it was a risk and, and I'm just you know really fortunate and lucky that my parents um were very supportive of that risk you know and I think that at that age you need parents and you need uh like your counselors or your principals in the school when I was at St Joseph's boys high school or then I did commerce uh, after that. Uh, and purely I did commerce because I knew that it would give me a little bit more time to play the game. Um, and the, the worst case scenario for me was I gave myself time till I was in college and a, and a little little bit after that. Uh, and if that didn't happen, then I would have just... I would sort of given myself a hard stop of maybe 24, 25 and said, then I'll try and go back and do an MBA or you know something like that and just just move on. Because I was quite clear in my mind that I didn't want to be just someone... Uh, who just kept playing the game and if it wasn't going too far, you know, I, I was I was a little ambitious as well. So, you know, luckily for me, at that critical age, around 23, 24, things worked out and, and I was able to make it. But it was a risk and it was not an easy decision. It really took a lot of thought at home. I, I can, you know, I can still feel the the stress that was in and around the house because, you know, um, the decision I was making, I was foregoing uh, a career in, in academics for a period of time. And certainly, even if I had come back into academics after 23, 24, it would never have been the same. You know, I could never have. It's not, it's not like, for example, my brother went to engineering college, went to IAM and he did the more sort of traditional route that would probably, you know, have been expected of my, of me in some ways of what not expected, but you know, what people in my family did, you know, and, and so uh, just having that parent support and my parents saying it's okay, you know, something you love, you know, go for it, Um okay. We'll see what happens. Um, I was sad, and you know, I uh, sometimes wonder. You know, I had my chat with my parents. How did you let? You know, you could have stopped me, and it was not like I was taking a s- stupid risk. I, uh, there was some, there was some data, there was some information telling me that hey, you are good at it. I could look around me and look at my peers, and see that I didn't think of myself as exceptional, special, talented, but certainly in whatever the benchmarks or the markers that I was hitting. Um, I was hitting at least at the level at the top level, so that gave me some confidence to take that risk. But um, but yeah, it's not an easy one. And and again, it's like it's incredible how the wheel changes, right? You you have you face the same thing with your own children now, you know, in some ways, in in different ways. That, right. you know.
1: So and so on that, you know, I want to ask a different question. But just first, I'm really glad, you know, the risk worked out not only for you, but I think you know millions of people in India probably glad. I mean, you, I mean, ultimately the things you've achieved on cricket field, you know, among the all-time greats who ever played the game, right? So that's uh, absolutely incredible. But now you are in a, as a coach, you know, and I know we'll maybe talk about your Cricket Academy 6, where you're working with a lot of, you know, younger athletes, which will go through similar journey of being in their teenage years and having to make that choice. Probably, you know, I don't know, one can only say, while well, opportunities are large, but also it's, you know, that much more competitive world out there. So what is your process of guiding? A, any youngster who's thinking about you know committing to a career in sports
0: yeah so it's 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 um it's one of the things that you know that just a percentage of people who actually make it in sport is so small you know so i and i always say that you know you cannot have i i actually believe that you can't put all your eggs in one basket you know you've got to have that ability to because unfortunately in sport it's it's different to studies. You know, I think in studies, there is a certain level of quid pro quo. I mean, you know, you can put in that effort and you're guaranteed some results. You know, there is, a, okay, you might not necessarily make it into an IIT or an IM or maybe the elite elite in or like an Ivy League college. But you, if you study hard enough, you'll certainly make it to a, a basic level call. But in cricket or in any sport for that matter, that guarantee is not there because there's a lot of i think there's there's luck involved there's there's chance uh you know uh, there is uh you know you can get injured i mean you young sportsmen put their bodies on the line all the time you know and the there's a high chance and a risk of injury and some of those injuries can even if not career threatening can set you back so much that can certainly give you a huge disadvantage uh, with your peers and among people and that can have long-term implications because you lose out on a year and a half or two years at at some stage you know um so it, it it's it, in in that sense you know a lot of a lot of the, the advice that you know we give a lot of our young kids and you know, who come there and and i think um that's why a lot of our tagline is cricket for all at at six and it's it's an academy that i mentor but you know it's um it's that There are a lot of other things that you can get out of sport. I think, you know, to just purely go into sport thinking that I want to make this a profession or a career is, you know, um, is like going is like taking admission into a school. And telling the school that at the end of this, you know, I want my uh, kid to be a neuroscientist from Harvard or something like that, you know, and it's, it, you don't do that, right? That's unrealistic, and that's actually the odds. I mean, that's actually that's that's the level of odds. Yeah, even that odd made you better Better right? in Sleep some ways. <laughs> so you know, those are the odds that you're um, that you're working with. So I think a lot of the time, it's education to parents and things that that when you put your children into academies or when you get them to play sport. I think there are a lot of other benefits that you need to see and understand as to why you're doing this, you know, and I think there are with sport. That's the beauty, especially in, in the times that we live in today. Um, I think getting your children involved in sport at that age and, and getting them to a decently competent level, you know, I think uh, is, is something you can definitely aspire for. Um, and, and that means, you know, just their, their access to ability to interact with other people. Uh, their ability to deal with success and failure, uh, the discipline required in sport, even if it is just going to an academy and knowing that my slot or timing in the academy was 9.30 to 12.30. Well, that means you've got to travel. You've got to get there by 9.30. You know, these are things that will hold you in good stead in anything you do in life, right? So having that balance up to a certain age, certainly wherein you have to... and And I don't think it's that difficult... Yes, you have to make sacrifices as a sportsman. If you want to, uh, you know, it will mean probably cutting out on social time, cutting out on time in front of the screens. It's probably not a bad thing, actually, for parents, you know. Uh, and cutting out on maybe some of the normal things that, say, teenagers do. Uh, you might have to sacrifice that. But then balancing a certain level of basic studies and and, and, and education and sport, I don't think is impossible. Is is it, it, I don't think it stops you from becoming an, an international elite cricketer. sometimes what worries me is I see today parents or or children you know they start giving up school and studies at the age of innate standard, nine standard um, and want to make their children sportsmen and any use sportsy And I think sometimes that's that's actually putting too much pressure on on kids rather than just allowing them to be kids till they're 17, 18 and seeing where it goes. And of course, and, and, and then the sacrifices that you're making is not from the education or from the school time. The sacrifices you're making is in time away from that. And, and a lot of things that we're seeing, in fact, people, children who are sort of committing only to sport and not doing other things, is, is that you can only play sport for a, a certain amount of time in the day. It is a physically demanding exercise. So even if you're training three hours a day or four hours a day, you can't do more than that even however good you want to be, just because your body won't allow you, you, you risk injury or you will, um, and then you end up with so much of time with, you know, doing, to, you end up in front of screens or you end up doing stuff that probably you shouldn't be doing. Whereas if you had something like you could study or you had other interests, um, it actually does help you and clears your mind to be able to play sport. So that's, I think, a lot of the messages that, that I do give to uh, a lot of parents or to young kids. And we try and drive that on that you know to be excellent at something at least up to a certain age you know at least sure after you you know have committed it you get to 18 19 yes then you probably have to decide between a a career in a university or a college um and and sport and, and you know that's a decision you have to make and that's a risky decision uh, people have to make but certainly you know uh, up to the age of 18 or you know I, I certainly do believe that you can easily manage both and at a very competent level and then And then take it from there. You know, don't need to give up sport. You don't need to give up other things too quickly. In fact, I actually feel it's um, it's counterproductive.
1: And you build a good foundation till the age of 18. At some point, you can take a more calculated assessment of which direction you want to go. And I think other point you're highlighting, which is probably all of us need to talk a lot more of, is the life skills that sports build. And I've seen in time and again, Rahul, even the professional setting. You know, when I'm interviewing someone or working somebody and Somebody who's played sport even for a few years, yeah. you can see the personality is different. Correct. You know, you are more grounded. You can take, you know, both wins and losses, you know, with an even keel. You have a growth mindset because every sports person knows that I need to put in effort to get better. You know, I can't just be entitled to it. You know, just because you a fancy, degree. sometimes you feel you are entitled to a promotion or certain responsibility and so on. Right? Teamwork is amazing, especially people who play team sport. They almost understand that winning is always more important than the personal contribution. That So I think those, you know, outstanding life skills. And I think, you know, a lot of just people in us from, you know, business background, we keep reaching out to people from the sports world because there's so much to learn. And I also feel for people even their 20s, 30s to just recreationally keep playing sport, I think it's a great thing for, you know, their development. Yeah, that's, that's one of the sad things I, I feel about India. And, you know, it's one
0: of the things I, I see that, Unfortunately for us, I, I, like I know so many of my friends, you know, who are very good sportsmen and played uh, quite very, really good sport in school and, you know, in the early years of our college thing. But as they've gone into some more professional colleges and gone into more sort of careers, they've lost, not, and, and it's just, they still love the sport and they're still great followers of the sport and they're watching it and they're they, they great consumers of the sport. But their ability to access the sport has become, you know, less sort of, I think when I look abroad and I look at, say, UK, I've never been to the US much, so I I don't know how the system works there, but I look at UK and just the amount of recreational sport and the environment that there is for, you know, people and even at young age, at 25, 26, 27, to come together and still be playing some level of competitive sport is a lot more than in this country. It's getting better. And, you know, you see a lot of these football fields coming up now. You see there's a lot of corporate sort of cricket being played and it's getting better, but, but certainly, you know, I think I, I completely agree with you, you know, just that um, that ability for people to be able to play more, uh, continue to play sport as they, you know, work and, you know, uh, and I think that's a challenge in big cities, you know, I think our, just our public, our public places for us to be able to play sport have diminished so much. Um, maybe the pressures of work have increased so much and... And, and I, I mean, I just use an example. My own friends, some of whom truly mm-hmm. love sport, but they just haven't been able to play sport after, you know, 12th standard or college. And and, and I think, you know, I feel really bad for them because it's, uh, you know, we just, and I know they would love to do it. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think
1: it does wonders too. I think from everything from just mental health, you know, social relationships, yeah. physical health, you know, time away from work, I think mm-hmm. the great stress boost and so on. Yeah. I want to use this conversation as a reminder, you know, I've been playing golf on and off. Yeah. And trying to learn tennis. So I think that'll be yeah. my over from make sure <laughs> Yeah, no. twice or twice a week, i make sure, you know. Yeah. Play something.
0: Absolutely. And and you know, I think it's just it's just great. You just meet so many different people as well, you know. And that's a, that's a lot of times I tell um I, I tell a lot of the young kids and parents that even if you don't um even if this doesn't become your uh it doesn't become your profession or you're not lucky enough to make it your profession because a very small percentage will just the time that you have spent here, you know, you've just interacted with so many different people from different backgrounds, different experiences. Um, you've traveled with them. You've played matches with them. You, I think, you know, when you play games and sport with people, you you get to really know people a lot better than you would in, you know, in any classroom or, you know, in any environment like that because you go through so much and your your experiences with people in classrooms is very limited to that class or that course. And then, and then even in a classroom, you tend to connect with say three, four people in time at best, you know. And it's not like you're a huge group of people. But in sport, in some ways, you're forced, um, you know, just to have connections with a lot more people uh, than than you would in in say in a classroom environment. So, um, yeah, I think there's some lessons. Of course, there's a lot you learn in class. And like I said, you know, you can never. I, I'm not i I'm, not, an, I'm a, not at all an advocate of you know giving up education and academics because I truly believe up to a certain age. It's a very important thing to do. And I think that even helps you in your sport. But uh, but there are lessons that you learn on a sports field that, uh, that you know, you just cannot learn uh, in, a, in a classroom.
1: So one of the areas, you know, where I feel anyone who is not in sports can draw a lot of inspiration from is this idea of deliberate practice. See, most of us, even what I do in my work, I don't really practice, you know. I just show up and get engaged in meeting or speak my mind, but Very rarely I will take time of saying, I really want to practice, you know, whether it is including something as simple as communication, because as leaders, you know, you communicate all the time, but I don't necessarily work on it deliberately. While if you are a sports person, you know, you may play, you know, a a match one day or twice a week, but all the other time you show up and practice and you're trying to improve a skill in a very deliberate manner. I'm assuming most people who are at least become very good at, they probably take practice days as seriously, maybe even more seriously as a game day. Yeah. Can you just talk about both, you know, your personal experience as a player, your approach to practice and now, you know, as a coach, how do you think about practice is?
0: Yeah, and it's a really good point. I think that's a, that's a terrific point because I think deliberate practice is, is actually the key to the whole thing. And, and you, and the thing, and the thing with sport is, and especially, uh, I guess at any stage, but even, it's become actually even more accentuated now, is that, you've got to constantly keep evolving your skills because people around you and especially when you're playing at an elite level they are they are analyzing you a lot you know data and analysis has changed so much today that they're able to pick up your strengths and areas you need to improve on you know very very quickly and so you've also got to stay ahead of the curve so it's a constant journey like you said it's it's you're never you never actually complete as a player or, you know, for that matter, as, as a coach, but you're never really complete as a player. You've, you know, because people are always analyzing where you're good at, what you're improving, and you can actually see the way they strategize against you. You know, I can see it now as a coach, like literally from series to series, you know, somebody has a good series and he's done well in a particular area. You can just see how people will strategize the next time somebody they plays against someone else and they've changed. And so you've got to almost stay ahead of the curve and, and improving any skill comes with that level of deliberate practice. And but there's no doubt about it, the, the best players that I have worked with or I have played with or, you know, I continue to work with are the ones who honestly... So yes, quantity is one aspect of it, but it's the quality of that practice that is almost more important. You know, what am I getting out of that practice? And am I willing to push myself and challenge myself out of my comfort zone? that is the important thing a lot of times i find that there are people who get very good at something and then they are just comfortable doing that they don't want to they don't want to look uncomfortable or they or you know they are um scared to to sometimes try new things and and then you find that there's a ceiling limit to that then you find people plateau out in their careers or they're not able to just take that next step or go to the level. But the guys who are constantly doing well and, you know, really at an elite level, one of the things that certainly stands out for me is this really understanding, you spoke about it, you know, knowing yourself, being truly, and it's not about advertising it to the world, but it's being truly understanding your skills, your strengths, areas you need to work on, and then being deliberate about working on that and then getting better at that. And
1: So let's talk about both in a little more detail of if you're an athlete or, or a professional, what will be your method of how do you really get to know yourself? You know, introspection, talking to people, coaches, etc. similarly, if you slow it down to a great practice day, what kind of mindset, you know, people bring to the table on that day? And how do you make sure that three, four hours you really get, you know, this whole idea of deliberate practice? So
0: again, really, really good question. So, so one of the things is is introspection. I think it's a combination of things of how you would go about a process of, at least, you know, for me personally, a large part of it is introspection because there are, at least in the mental and the psychological side of the sport, nobody knows yourself better than you do, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody can... You know how honestly nervous you felt in a particular situation. You know whether in that situation... You choked or not, or you took the right call or not, because you know what was going on in your head, no coach, no psychologist, no nobody else can tell you that unless you're willing to open up to that level, and even then, I think you're never going to be really able to recreate the emotions for somebody else or what you were going through so so, I think that in that level, introspection is really important, you know is you know you know what you felt and right? and and it's an emotion, a lot of it is sometimes the mistakes we make or is because we just lose it emotionally or we just are not thinking right. And and I think you know that. Um, so I think a lot of that will come with introspection of understanding, having that um, that level of honesty with yourself. Then, of course, there is the skill side of things. You know, That's where analysts or uh, coaches can really help you because they're seeing you from an outside. They've got a... You're feeling something, so that's really important to bring to the table. But then there is also another aspect of other people with other eyes watching you as well, who can also bring, you know, their uh experiences, their knowledge. They're probably looking at um uh, at data a lot more than you are, especially our analysts are. So they're telling you where people are bowling at you or where, where people are trying to attack you or you know what so so they bring that to the table. Uh and and the coaches will, you know, look at it from a skill perspective and say, Hey, this skill you can get better at, or this is what I noticed about you. Sometimes when you're just playing, you probably might not be able to pick up some of the stuff that other people are. So it's a combination of both of those things. I think, you know, you bring both of that together to to just really start to, to get yourself to know yourself better and, and, and to improve. Um, and then, like when you spoke about, you know, what's like for me a, a really perfect practice day or someone really thing is, um, is I think firstly being prepared, you know, a player coming prepared to the practice session, very clear about what it is that he's looking to work on not necessarily relying on a coach to tell him what he needs to work on. You know, I think the best players for me are the ones who um, reflect on the game that they've just played, analyze it, understand what they need to work on and then actually come with a plan or an idea and discuss that, you know, with the coaches, this is what I need to work on. Rather than, you know, um, just realizing or just focusing on the practicing and the competing You know, as players, I mean, we can focus on the practicing and the competing. We have to do that. As players, you have to. And sometimes you can think, hey, I'll let the coach do the reflection or other people do that, you know, and they will tell me what to do. But I think the best players are the ones who actually do the whole process. You know, they they, they go back and they reflect on it and they'll analyze it as well themselves. Knowing fully well that the coaches are doing the same thing as well, you know, and then there's, uh, so you have someone who's well prepared, who's planned, who comes to the session, knows what he's trying to achieve out of the session, uh, and and then you know um, challenging yourself in practice uh, as much as possible to do a variety of things rather than practicing the same thing over and over again, and recognizing what it is that I'm probably not that good at, what skills I'm looking to improve. So I think it's 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 also important, like if when we're working when you're working on something, is to is to recognize that skill learning takes time, and being patient with that process, and then, and not and then not trying to learn too many things at the same time. You know, if you're work, working on something and giving it that time to be able to get better at it, uh, and trusting that process for a while before moving on to something else, rather than you know just trying to learn a bunch of things and and not giving at least in in cricket as a skill enough time to be able to get to a, if not a level of perfection, which probably never will, but certainly to a, certainly to a, 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 a truly uh, an international standard in, in the level that, that we are working at. So, yeah, I think the, and then, and then just that, because even in a practice session, I think, you know, people ask me, oh, how do you, how can you concentrate better? How can you, you know? So, yeah, there is a level of concentration of things that you can improve sitting in a room and, you know, you do meditation or you do visualization and, yeah, that that's stuff that helps and that's great. But there's also opportunities within a practice session wherein you can learn these skills, you know, by just being how attentive you are, how present you are, even in a practice session rather than drifting and, you know. So there's, there's a lot and I think good quality practice sessions or when you see good quality players, I think what they do is they, they're really good at, at a lot of these things. They are and they know what they're working on, they're really attentive, um, they switched on. And, and overall about that, you know what really pleases you as a coach, uh, and I think it's something we talk about a lot, is that the people then look to other people who they can help, at least in a team sport. I think what's really important in a team sport is that after you've got what you've needed to do is to look around and see how you can support other people, because in a lot of ways you are invested in the success of other people to, in your success you know, if you, so for example, if you've done your batting or your bowling and you, can you look around and see, hey, there's someone I can help. Is there a conversation I can have with somebody that I know will help him, be, you know, perform better. Uh, is there someone I can throw balls to? Is there someone I can, you know, so there are a bunch and a variety of things that you can do to help, um, help your teammates and help other people so that they get better. And with that, the team gets better. So, so yeah, I think it's, that's like a perfect session when someone's really worked on his stuff and then he's also willing to um, not just walk away from it say I've got what I need but hey can I what can I do for the team and what can I come back and you know for me a coach that's that's truly excellent, excellent
1: to see so everything you've talked about Rahul you know at the end of day uh, reflecting on your day you know what went well what didn't go well introspecting about it maybe having a conversation with something about it in the morning coming prepared to practice being fully present and aware and looking out of ways to help other teammates and All of those tools i think can be used and probably should be used by anyone who's trying to do anything significant in life you know i can say all of it can definitely apply to my day or the people you know i work with in my office or pretty much anyone who's going to be watching this i think these are universal tools which are allowing you to in some ways, optimize you know your performance in a day and deliberately putting effort to get better every single day Which you would do long enough period of time. You know, whatever one chooses to do, can become significantly better. Yeah,
0: and and also you know, and I think it's and also not forgetting to enjoy it. You know, I think sometimes yeah, you know, sometimes we can get too caught up in this, and we forget to let our hair down, or we forget to chill out, and understand that a lot of this stuff takes a lot out of you as well emotionally. You know, and I think being able to then switch off emotionally, uh, in whatever way that you find most comfortable, is also really important. You know, that's that's actually really been one of my learnings in my sport and. And especially someone like me, you know, growing up, I was very intense and, you know, very focused. And and I think a lot of times it's only when I actually realized the actual importance of also learning to emotionally switch off and mentally switch off um, so that I can bring a lot of this energy into this. Because, you know, I, I think that, like like you said rightly, it's great things to learn and great things to do. But let's be realistic. It's not going to happen every day. You know, we're not, it's, it's impossible that every day we turn up and you know, every day is 100%. It's... It's tough. It's it's tough to live that life. So being, I think in some ways, being also compassionate with yourself and understanding that it's not always going to work out and, you know, you're going to have some good days and bad days. But in general, if you're around that path and also remembering that, you know, as much to be able to bring all that energy into a practice session or to a match, you need to find a way to be able to switch off of it. And I think that's a big challenge for a lot of ambitious people or people who are at that elite level of performance who want to do well is that they're so um, switched on that sometimes you can you know almost burn out and and, and, and you sort of expended so much of mental and emotional energy off the field or off the practice that you're never really working or optimizing it optimizing your things so,
1: no thanks for sharing I think that's a great reminder because if you want to do anything significant it is going to take a very long period of time yeah. no one can produce miraculous results in a one year or two year right yeah. if you're going to do something for 10 or 20 years you need to have that stamina to stay in the game that long right so that way and every single day obviously cannot be great. Yeah. So as long as you have a few good days, and the other days, you know, just be easy on yourself. And you know, we are yeah. all, know, we are all very normal people, right? Yeah. No one is, you know, absolutely,
0: yeah, right? you know, absolutely. And it's, it's, uh, you know, we. You just happen to be good at doing something. You know, it's not like there's a. a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, people say, oh, I "Had a great career," yeah, but there's a huge host of things that I'm not very good at. You know, in fact, shocking at. You know, I'm t- terrible at yeah, yeah, you know and uh, uh, Yeah, we can avoid those actually. But <laughs> but but yeah, you you know, and I think that's uh, so it's lucky to have a skill and right. do it and
1: But part of you know what you touched upon is you know, part and parcel of trying to make big things happen, you know, whether on a sports field or as an entrepreneur or a professional is the higher you aim, the bigger and deeper the setbacks will be. They're inevitable. At least, you know, for example, in my experience, you know, my own personal journey, as well as most entrepreneurs, I know, they've had multiple near-death experiences, like every single one of them knows, yeah, uh, things just went, you know, beautifully from day one, right? I'm pretty sure most athletes go through that. So over a period of time, you know, what has been your method to, you know, either in your personal journey or the players you work with, what do you focus on when things just are not falling in place? And because that can end up being very lonely place? Yeah.
0: No, it's a tough place, and it's a great learning experience as well. You know, those experiences are incredibly learning. Maybe not at that time; they feel terrible at that time. But when when you get out of that, it's it's um, it's it is a great learning experience. And a large part of a lot of these journeys is is you know it is lonely at times, but it's also I think recognizing. That you have to be comfortable in some ways with being uncomfortable, you know. You have to be comfortable with that. And you have to... um, You just have to go through these things. And it's not unique to you as a person. It's unique to anyone who's trying to achieve that level of excellence. You know, there are going to be some really difficult days. And like you said, some really low lows and uh, tough periods. Uh, And being comfortable in some ways with that. And then just knowing that... um, and, and again, maybe utilizing that level of sort of growth mindset in that, that, hey, this is also an opportunity to learn and grow. Um, in some ways, it's a really hard one on your ego at times like that. And that's times that you need to be able to maybe, um, you know, I think be more than just about your success, uh, maybe find a way to um, find a way to sort of be someone more or be someone more to somebody else or other people or just have that maybe support system around you, wherein not everyone you know is invested around your success or, you know, or or you being successful and you have other relationships and you've cultivated other connections, which are a little bit more important than just, uh, just you, who you are as a, as a professional. Uh, Yeah, I think things like that do certainly do help. I mean, I don't know if there's a perfect answer to that or I've ever got a, you know, uh, perfect solution to that. Uh, But, but yeah, it's, it's 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 difficult and if you if you wanna you know achieve greatness, there are some very lonely days and you know you're away from home you're away from people um you know sometimes there's not a lot of people that you, you because you in some ways you feel responsible for you feel responsible for everything you feel responsible for the success and failure and you take it personally it's probably what makes uh Elite people, great as well, because they're t- willing to take personal responsibility for things. They're willing to put themselves on the line. You know, they, 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 they're not blaming other people or they're not looking to other people to uh, help them. And and at times like that, it it, it can feel uh, a little bit lonely. But um, but I think, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a solution, but mm-hmm. it's just I think but you just just uh,
1: acknowledging that. You know, would you agree that uh, for most people who pursue something, you know, elite in their career. Are inevitably going to have those low points as well. It's just almost part of the journey. It comes with the package.
0: It does. I mean, uh, absolutely. And I think just recognizing that, understanding that, um, is is absolutely uh, critical. And not being, uh, you know, almost. Yeah, I, I think in some ways, if you, if you've prepared yourself mentally to know that, look, when you are, you know. Um, competing at a really elite level or competing at that top class level or trying to get the best out of yourself, uh, there are going to be times when, you know, it's it's going to be tough and it's going to be some difficult periods and it's not unique to you. I think acknowledging that's really important. Yeah. I just give you a motivation to keep going. And I think resilience is important in these things. Perseverance, um, you know, you just uh, to a level, I think everyone who's achieved something, you know, you've got to have that resilience and that perseverance. And and it's not only in whatever you've achieved, I think whatever you've done, a certain level of resilience is important. Even if you've just got a basic degree or any college, or if you've done something, there is a level of resilience required in that. It's just it gets ramped up and amplified. I think the higher you go and the more the more competitive it
1: gets. So Rahul, you're talking about you know letting your hair down and just having easy day also. And we have obviously all of us have watched on television being you know this intense player with, you know, inhuman power of concentration on the field and so on. Always very calm, like never been into any controversy or showing any emotion. And then we saw you in this uh, credit where you were basically became Indra Nagar ka Gunda and just, you know, really brought out that uh, angry persona which looked very authentic on screen. Do you have to practice a lot for it, or was just you know bursting? Oh, probably bursting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was a, it was an interesting one. I mean, I obviously just given the script to that, and I was really wary. I wasn't really sure about how it would go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Sometimes you know you just just let yourself go and and have some fun with it. And and luckily, it sort of uh, came out looking okay. It wasn't too bad. You know, I was telling the director, I said you know, this comes out, either I'm going to give you two calls, either I'm going to be screaming at the end of the phone, or, you know, I'm going to say it was pretty okay, but, um, but, but yeah, no, it was fun, it was fun to do, sometimes it's just fun to do things that, you know, uh, you can do differently, and I think even in that, I think over the years, you know, it's not just that ad, but I think just I've done and worked with so many different people, and again, I've been lucky, because I've been a cricketer, and now it's like been uh, I've probably done my first ad when I was in 1996, so it's been 27 years and since I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And I've got to meet a bunch of really creative people in that field as well. You know, I think these opportunities in sport um, have actually given me this incredible, um, it's it, it just given me an incredible opportunity to meet so many different people in so many different fields, you know, and I think uh, in, in, I've met and got to know people in that field. I've... Um, you just travel the world and 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 again just that curiosity if you're curious you know you ask a few questions and you just get to meet so many interesting people who do so many interesting things i mean we go abroad and you know you go to um you're always invited to high commission functions or uh, in the, you know some places and you get to meet so many people from the indian foreign service so you you know you have a passion for wildlife and you you, you, you go there and you're lucky to meet so many people involved in 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 that and and you know uh, create a sort of and I think that's the that's a lucky thing as a, as, a, as as a someone who, you know, if uh, you're lucky to be sort of, hate to use the word famous, but you're lucky to sort of be a well-known personality. Um, you just have that ability, I think, um, to be able to um, just interact and meet so many different people. And I think, you know, I'm just really grateful for that. There's so much I've learned uh, from so many of these interactions just outside of a sporting field and sporting people that's shaped... Really, who
1: I am? Yeah, no, that credit definitely touched a nerve. I think people <laughs> really wanted to see you in you know, like break the character and be in that avatar. But uh, speaking of wildlife, also, I know you take time to you really explored all the forest, especially around Karnataka, really well and been there. I think yeah. countless times, eh?
0: Yeah, it's just a great form of relaxation. Again, it's like what we spoke about. You know, I think just emotionally and mentally being able to switch off and and find something that you enjoy. Lucky, I'm lucky that you know my wife and. Both the kids truly love it as well and you know they love being part of these uh, experiences with us so yeah so as in one you know obviously uh, I wish I could do it a lot more <laughs> as, as we can as we always wish we could do a lot of things that you know we enjoy a lot more but but yeah I, I just I think it's it's great it's just a really great getaway um it just refreshes you even if it's for a few days and um it's just you know it's something that um yeah you know they're lucky and, and passionate that in and around Bangalore uh, not more than four, five, five hours drive away. You've got some really beautiful places in Kambini and Bandipur, and just that Nilgiri Biosphere, which is a beautiful place to be. Yeah, at least folks, you know,
1: listening from Karnataka, can think more about exploring these places. I did, um, <laughs>
0: this. I think it's uh, it's 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 just uh, again, and I also find you know, I think we recently went on a diving trip as well. We went scuba diving and stuff, and I, I really find you know that for me, I, I find that you know when you interact a lot with people who are connected with nature or with just wildlife. And um, it's it's just a different kind of people you're also interacting with. I think you just see this. there's so much not into just the materialistic things of, you know, our day-to-day life. And just different kind of people, you know, who get attracted to or who dedicate their lives to these things. And it's a really inspirational thing to see, you know. Uh, How happy and and, and amazing things, how happy they are, how connected they are and how, like we speak about being present, sometimes how present they are and what they're doing. Um, And I find a lot of that in people who have these deep connections with nature and wildlife and just the outdoor way of life.
1: Absolutely. I think all of us can benefit from that, you know, just uh, taking a break from the everyday hustle and trying to make things happen and just be somewhere where, you know, more nature and more grounded and just be present, you know, for, for a few days. I want to zoom out and ask you a more big picture question about just Indian cricket. See, India's obviously and it's come a long way in cricket in the last 25-30 years, you know, pretty much, you know, we have the most successful league anywhere in the world. We produce, you know, huge number of world-class cr- crick- cricketers almost, you know, like a machinery now. Yeah. Uh, it's also great as a business, you know, huge amount of money is coming. What will be your vision for cricket for next 10-20 years? If you think about, you know, what are they, not in some of specific, I, mean, I hope we win lots of tournaments and you have some important coming up, so all the best for that, but more yeah. in terms of not milestones, but you know, just as a sport, like how can we continue to evolve from here? I, I
0: just think, you know, I just hope we can become a lot more, uh, I mean we are and it's getting better and better, but just, I think just becoming a lot more inclusive, you know, and it's just incredible to see uh, how the women's sport is taking off in this country, you know, with the, with the WPL and just women's sport and just seeing the little bit more focus on it. So that's, you know, been a terrific thing to see over the last few years. You know, uh, and and then also one of the things that has changed from my time when I started is just how much, um, so a lot of the young players coming from smaller towns and cities, uh, which has been, you know, very heartening to see, like in the early days, most of the cricketers came from, say, the big cities and the five, six metros, and there were a few kids who came from smaller places. But today, I think that's probably almost turned on its head. There are a lot of people are coming from smaller places as well. So, so I think you know, for us, I think there's a great opportunity to be a really inclusive sport. It's a sport that really captures the imagination of this country. It's already is an inclusive sport. I wouldn't say it's you know it's a lot. I mean, I'm I mean, I thinking, but I think we can do even a lot more. I think if we can just spread the the infrastructure and the facilities to a lot more people um, all all across uh, the country. Uh, Boys and girls. uh, Then I think you know we'll truly see the potential of not just like you said, it's not about us winning more trophies and getting more talent and all of that, but just the benefits and the advantages of playing the sport and following the sport and being influenced by the sport can be experienced by a lot more people rather than just you know a few people having access to that. Uh, Cricket as a sport needs to be played at a competitive level or a level needs certain facilities and it's i know there is one level of sport being played on the streets on the roads with tennis ball which is good but to truly you know to truly experience the sport or to truly sample the benefits of the sport you need a certain amount of facilities and nets and grounds and some level of competition to be able to play it and get get the most out of it and i think over the next 10 20 years if we can just grow that exponentially and we can grow that to all different parts of the country i mean places like the northeast and um, you know, right up in Jammu and Kashmir and really get to a level where, you know, we are uh, being able to take the sport to everyone, boys and girls and improve the grassroot level facilities for the sport. At the elite level, I think we're there. It's only going to keep growing. Um, you know, uh, the financials, the money is getting better. The professionalism is getting better at the elite level. But I would really want to see that trickle down to the grassroots level. You know, I think a lot of work can still happen at at a grassroots level in terms of infrastructure, facilities, uh, quality of coaching, uh, quality of equipment. You know, g- reaching some of these um, uh, sort of people who probably don't have the finances and and the ability to access some of it. Uh, I think if that can be done at a grassroots level, then and then for me, that's that's really the thing. Providing, if not as good a uh, professional or an uh, you know uh, infrastructure as an elite level, but providing something that's similar at even at a grassroots level that a lot more people can access, you know. And I, I think you know, um, thanks to support like yourself and Cult, we've been able to do that in a small way at at six, you know, wherein it's really a grassroots level academy where anyone can access it, and and you know, we, we're able to support that. But but I think a lot more of that needs to happen.
1: Amazing. So Rahul, cricket is a. Uh big part of you know Indian identity today you have been a great ambassador of sports and now in your coaching avatar you continue to give back and train everybody from young kids all the way to you know top athletes to top cricket athletes in the country I'm really grateful for you to be able to take the time today make this long trek here to be able to record this I think it's a very very informative conversation every time I meet you I learn something new I'm pretty sure listeners will have some takeaways which we can you know Probably apply in their own life. So thank you very much.
0: No, pleasure is all mine, Mukesh. So same here. I I always enjoy these conversations and learn something from them as well. And uh, yeah, lovely to be in this uh, place. I think this is uh, this is an aspiration. I think I should get one of these. to come in more often, you know. yeah. and this looks really cool. Thanks, Rob Thanks, Mukesh. Pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Oh, yes. Yes.